Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths. And today the big questions are, why is it so important to have fun at work? Shouldn't people be expected to have to work at work and not have fun and do that on their own time? And what are the biggest obstacles for employees to have more fun at work? So Bob, Dr. Bob Nelson joins us to explain why work made fun gets done. And he is considered, Bob, I can hear you, he is considered the world's leadest authority on employee recognition and engagement. He is president of Nelson Motivation Incorporated, a management training consulting company specializing in helping organizations improve their management practices, programs, and systems. He has worked with 80% of Fortune 500 as a strategist for HR issues. He's been a longtime collaborator and confidant for Dr. Ken Blanchard. We all know him, the one-minute manager. And he is currently a personal coach for Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, the world's number one ranked executive coach. Dr. Bob, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Denise. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah, it's and listen, I wanted to thank you. And I want to thank you for sending me your most recent book, Why Work Made Fun Gets Done. It's on my desk as we speak. I know you <laughs> mailed me a copy. It's on its way, but I'm looking at the PDF. So thank you very much for that. You bet. Okay, so before I get you know, I've got questions. I've got a lot of questions. It's going to sound silly, but why is it important to have fun at work? And we're going to examine that. But before I get started, tell people a bit about yourself so they understand who you are and, and why you think this is important. Well, it's said every author is writing the same book over and over. I've done 31 books, and they're all out of the fabric of, of helping employees um, be I uh, have higher performance and be more more satisfied in what they're doing with the bulk of their waking time. So um, this is um, I, I wrote a thousand ways to reward employees. I've written a number of uh, dummies books, uh, managing for dummies, um, management bible, uh, and this is uh, again in in that uh, series of books. This is another aspect of I think it's it's. Uh, taken for granted that people want to want to have uh, enjoy what they're doing with the bulk of their time. They ideally want to have meaning and purpose and, and feel they're doing something, a part of something larger than themselves. And it's, uh, I think it's very possible to make that happen, uh, whoever you are, wherever you're working, uh, whatever you're doing. And so it was, it was the exploration of uh, what that looks like and how if you need more of it, here's here's ways to make it happen. So um, whether it's uh, from an individual perspective with your own tasks that you have, and we all have, you know, rote and even boring tasks that we have to do in in our, our jobs. It's, this kind of comes with a landscape. It might be paperwork if you're a salesperson, or it might be, you know, something, uh, uh, cleaning up your desk even. <laughs> we all have things that, that uh, we have to do that aren't that uh, fun or enjoyable. And, and so whether it's stuff like that or, or you know, as, as a part of a group, how you can bring more fun to the, the team. If you're a leader, certainly things you can do to uh, make it more reality. And then, then we even uh, got into uh, what organizations do to make it, uh, make it more part of how we work. There's a lot of organizations that, that uh, have fun as one of their core values. So they might have, five or, or seven core values and often fun is one of those and and yet they they really haven't had much of a focus on on that um, so it's kind of a reminder but there's nothing implicit for what we're doing to make that a more likely occurrence in in everyone's jobs and in the ways that we interact together well it seems to me 
that it's kind of an old-fashioned concept, I guess, or way of doing business that when you get to work, you're supposed to take your two 15-minute breaks. I haven't worked in anybody anybody else's office for a long time, so, but I remember it, and I hated it. Hated it. I can't even tell you how much. <laughs> but yeah, we were told um, basically 15 minutes. You got a lunch break, and you had to be balls to the walls. Excuse the language for the rest of that that day. Even if you didn't yes. really have anything to do, you had to pretend you were doing something, and it's nerve wracking. So that's no longer really the case. I hope is it? Well, it depends on what the work environment is. There's if you work for an Amazon warehouse, uh, it's hard to even take the 15-minute breaks you're required by law to have because gotcha. you have to go through a metal detector to go out and one to go back in, and the whole the whole plant's doing it at the same time, so it's near impossible. Uh, so, uh, yeah, depending depending on where you're working, that could still be a challenge. Uh, but there's uh, fortunately. And in that circumstance, it's hard to, it's harder, of course, to impact uh, those people and, and, and the tight constrictions they have in their job. Or, or likewise, like in a call center, which can be a very punitive work environment where they're measuring by the second how long you spend on each call, uh, it's hard to, as individuals, say, well, this, I'm going to do something different. But uh, in, in cases like that, I worked with the call center for Zappos, for example. And I was just boy, going to mention Zappos because that's when the whole fun concept started, wasn't it, Tony Shea? Yes. Well, there, you know, of course, other other companies were doing things before that, but uh, he he really brought it to a new level. And he so did with his they book, yeah. Yeah, and and they don't uh, they don't measure how long you're on on each call. In fact, they, they there's no time limit. Take as much time as the customer needs, and and that and, and part of why they they did that is because like 87% of all orders that they got on online um, didn't involve talking to someone, so it was all electronic, and and so for the 13% of people that had a question or I didn't get my package or whatever it might be, they they wanted they wanted to do whatever they could to um, make them. Uh, satisfied and, and stick with them until uh, they're happy, you know, and so uh, they, they were taking a long-term view of, of holding on to that, that customer for as long as possible. If they have a, a tremendous experience, they're going to come back, you know, and, and so it, it was true. Um, and so, so they did a lot of things to promote fun. Uh, and, and, and one of them, and in that case, it kind of started with letting go of the common knowledge of, of uh, call centers at the time that, well, you got to, you know, process as many people as you can and, and you know, 13 seconds is, is what we're shooting for, you know, and, and they, they said, no, that's not what we're shooting for. We're shooting for happy customers. And so, uh, you know, you, you don't say, well, i got to wrap it up here because I've only got so much time. And, and they're going, what? And then you pass it on to someone else that doesn't know anything about the situation. And we've all been faced with that type of uh, bouncing around to people. I, I, I remember – AT and T, they're well, horrible yeah, about I mean, that. I, yeah, I, I won't. I won't. Uh, I was thinking Air, Airbnb. I had a place, and I got it got canceled last minute. <clears throat> Every person I talked to on the phone said, "I'm going to stick with you until this is done right." Or, or, you know, and, and sure enough, every person, well, ended their shift and they just disappeared. And so I had a whole oh, team of people, people, like five or six, and every one of them said, "I'm going to, I'm going to." I'm going to fix this to, to this right. And none of them did. I ended up, I uh, almost was going to sleep in the lobby of a hotel. You know, I ended up, uh, you know, someone had a extra bed in their room. And, uh, but it was, it was uh, you know, you get to a state like that, and you're, you're like fit to be tied, you know. Um, and your customers get it. Listen, with AT&T and Cox Communications, I'll call them both out. They're, I finally got to the point where I said, do not, whoever the new person was, so I'm going to warn you right now, don't tell me how sorry you are that I'm having this trouble. Fix it. Really? Really? Don't even give me any platitudes. Don't BS me. I'm not in the mood. Yes, ma'am. And they would try to fix it. And I was always pleasant, but don't BS me. We know when we're being snowed. Yeah, and they, and they, unfortunately, uh, 
uh, companies uh, sometimes have a philosophy is like, well, just just uh, make sure you're listening to their emotions and tell them that you're you're really sorry about this and it's not mm-hmm. it's not the standard practice. Well, you're wasting all that time to to say that. How about this right. the problem? And you weren't the person who broke it anyway, so just stop, fix it, just fix it. Yeah. Or find somebody yeah. who can. Yeah, I, we get that a lot. And, but that goes back <laughs> to what you were just saying about the company culture may say that they're, you know, they have this great, we're going to have fun, we're going to have customer service and customer experience, but they don't really follow up with it, do they? Or do they even well, understand it is the real question. It makes nice, well, I, you I know, know, verbiage on their documents, but do they actually do it? I, well, we're calling out some bad examples. Personally, there's a lot of good examples. And, and, I know. And companies. I'm, I'm mad at AT&T right now. <laughs> I, 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 can, I, can, I can hear that. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, a lot of companies, like when they have a, you know, the core values, they, they typically take some steps beyond just posting on the wall. They, maybe that'll be part of their orientation or they'll, they're a big one that, that everyone should be taking is finding ways to recognize people for the core values of the, of the organization they work for. So say that's teamwork and that's, uh, you know, we decided that, you know, we got to work as a team on, on projects to get things done. So that's one of our, our top five core values and make sure you're doing things to recognize teamwork, you know, call it out, <laughs> thank the teams, uh, provide a start a project scrapbook where, you take a photo of the people that, that worked on the team and what they accomplished, and on and on and on. There's there's thousands of things you can do, and the best companies do do uh, uh, many many things. I, I worked with um, Disney for uh, over 15 years, and they had at at Walt Disney World in Orlando, they had over 250 ways to recognize desired performance that they wanted from employees, starting with the customer. You know, the customer's always always right and and it, it revolves around them <clears throat> so I'll constantly be thinking about that and so <clears throat> they would do the whole spectrum they had the partners in excellence which is a really high level award but just on the on the daily basis they'd give people you know if they caught you doing something right they, you know uh, the way you you ask the customer for their name which you know using people's names is important to make them feel valued and and if they heard you doing that, they gave you a token for you could use it in the in the vending machines to to get get something. That's a that's a simple thing, but it's calling it out in some way, you know. And, uh, and of course, they did many many other things as well. It would also create better habits, wouldn't it? Once you recognize as an employee that you're doing something that the company or the corporation wants you to do, and they appreciate that, then you've put that into your habit bucket, haven't you? What you recognize gets repeated. Absolutely. In fact, right. it's often called the, the greatest management principle of the world is you get what you reward, what you notice, what you recognize, what you inspect, uh, what you incentivize, which is a fancy way of saying if you do if I, if you do what you say you're going to do, uh, I'm going to tell you up front what I'm going to give you if you do that. <laughs> this incentive, you get time off or, or something, um, bonus, whatever it might be. Uh, so yes, uh, actually, one of the books I wrote was "A Thousand One Ways to Reward Employees," which now is an expanded edition. Sixty-four printings later, of fifteen hundred and one ways to reward employees. Just it's really all around us if you open your eyes to it, and you, you get uh, people that are uh, performing at higher levels, that are working more as a team and as an organization. That's the foundation of of uh, Disney's success, for example. Uh, is is that concept? Walt Disney, early in his career, he he had an epiphany. They said, if I ever uh, that that you can't you can't uh, yell at someone in the back room, expect them to go out and deal with the customer like nothing's wrong. And so, he, at a young age, he said, if I ever have a have a company that where I have employees, I will treat my employees like they're my customers. And if I do that right, well enough they will naturally pass it on to the, the company's customers. And that's that's probably the foundation of, of uh, here we are, you know, 65 years later, and uh, in all, all that they they do, that, that drives it. That makes sense. So 
let's I've got questions. I've got a whole list of them. So we talked a bit about one of them was what are the biggest obstacles for employees to have fun at work and you just covered some of that, you know, talk, you can't leave Amazon because of, and there's a company here where I live called Stollars. It's one of the biggest gold findings companies in the world and they can't do much. I mean, they have to pass through all of these things. And once they're in the building, they're in the building until it's time to go out. So, you know, I completely understand that. But And you've covered some of those. But what about people who they don't have those restrictions, but they're still just miserable? Their bosses or their immediate supervisors do not really pay attention. They're just kind of saying, do this, do this. Don't, what the hell did you just do? Do this, don't do that. And that's not fun. And it doesn't earn respect, I don't think. No, and it's it's very short-sighted on the manager's part, and often they haven't had any instruction otherwise. So they, they you know, what typically happens um, is that someone's promoted into a job of a manager, and they're usually promoted for they did something good, their technical excellence. They were good at, at uh, say, uh, sales, or they were good at, at IT, or they were, they were good at uh, admin of some type, and so they're promoted to manager that area. And often they don't get any guidance for <laughs> that they might need to do some things differently. So wanting to make their mark and, and prove that they're worthy of the new title they uh, they become what I call super super workers. They're going to be the smartest person in the room, and they're going to do that by finding fault with everyone else and everything that everyone else has done. And so they'll they'll say, "Oh, you messed that up." And they'll take it back and they'll do it themselves. And they'll you know they'll call out and embarrass people in front of their peers, and and all that drives people away from them and makes them want to less motivated to want to do a good job and do it enough and to get people sabotaging and things like that. And, and, and it's well documented that the skill set changes once you become a manager, that you've got to spend the, the bulk of your, your energy on the people. Because, you know, as Peter Drucker used to say, um, management is getting work done through others. It's not you being a super worker and just commanding people. It's it's working with others, and ultimately, it's it's supporting them so they can do the best job. And and, um, and maybe even if you did that job before, maybe it's it's probably different now. You know, ten years later. Right. right. So, and so it's trust it's it's trusting them and acknowledging that they're they're the front line of. of to the customer or the problem or the equipment. And so what, what do they need to, to uh, uh, do the best job? And they, you know, if you, if you plant that way, you're trusting them, you're showing them respect, and then they'll rise, in my experience, they rise to the occasion and say, well, if you're serious about that, here's, we, we could really use <laughs> some new equipment here. Or if we had this, this you know, type of wrench, that would make this job easier or whatever it might be. And then, then the manager's job is to try to make that happen and, and to where need be to jump in and help them themselves. So that's that's a you know very simple philosophy that uh, most you know unfortunately most managers don't get. And uh, you know some companies have are better at that and have a manager orientation when you when you start a new job and they they talk about those things. But it's just uh, you're you know you're you're the leader now and. Uh, uh, and, and that person, then sometimes you know they, they take on a better than thou attitude, and then you're really in trouble because they're going to be a jerk, <laughs> and no one wants to work with someone like that. No, and listen, there's the other side of, of that equation, which is somebody like me who is a solopreneur. I have a team. I have a terrific team, thank goodness. But when I first started hiring, I was the boss. I knew everything, and I, I, was, I was so proud of myself, Bob. I made it a point not to ask anybody on my team to do something that I couldn't do on my own. You know, my thinking was that I needed to be able to explain what I wanted. My thinking stunk. It wasn't right. I mean, part it was no, no. Actually, you, you got some good kernels good in there. Those are some good, good thoughts in terms of you were impassioned. And a big job of, of management is to transfer that pa- passion. So as, as you as you show that passion, people can pick up on that. And 
and not everyone will grab it and run to them. It's just another job, but, but some people will, and then they'll be a part of your passion. That's ultimately what you want. You want them to, to act like it's their company and, and the pride in what they do and how they treat people and the job well done, doing it until it's done right. And, and so, um, but to, so actually I think what you did was, was very, very good in terms of, of um, wanting to share um, what you know um, but then at some point, you know, after they've done it a while, they, you know, you have to then, then let go and allow them to have their own imprint, to have their own ownership exactly. of the job. And I learned that as I went on, and you made a couple of good points. One is what I knew when I first got my computer science degree, which was 20 years ago, is way outdated. That doesn't mean I haven't kept up on the t- technology aspect of what I do. I have. But I have learned to make it a point to hire people who can do what I do, but they're better than I am in that particular area, whatever it is. They're better than I am, and I want their input, and I want to see their recent work for other clients. They're contractors. They work for a lot of people, including themselves. And I want them to come to me and say, Denise, you know, we've been doing it this way, but I found something different. Can we talk about this? You bet. And then the Mm -hmm. other thing is, you know, once they're comfortable and saying, you know, I don't think this is going to work. I think you're a bit ahead of yourself. And they will call me out on it, and I ask them to. Am I getting ahead? Because I can see a project from start to finish, but I can't always explain that to my team. So I need them to say, whoa, 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 slow down. Okay, let's work on this part first. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen often. But it does make me go, hmm, okay. No, no, no. I want to go ahead and go, or, yeah, you're right. But I have those mm-hmm. options those decisions. And, and to have them be comfortable with bringing that up to you is, mm-hmm. is to your – it says a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, on your part, um, uh, smarts, and, and a lot of managers would not be receptive to that. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I need and – and I don't need your input otherwise. <laughs> Unfortunately, Unfortunately. That's, that's still a prevalent management style for a lot of organizations. Well, and I learned early on that I can't just, you know, issue edicts and expect them to just go, okay, because they would do what I asked and nothing more. So I was yeah. going back yeah. and saying, <clears throat> what happened here? I mean, it was me. I was the bottleneck. And once I figured that out... Life got a whole lot better, and like so some of yeah. these people have yeah. been with me for a decade or better. Well, there, that's another testament then that you're, you're doing things good, right? <laughs> if they stay with you that long, so. Well, um, I got tired of doing usually, it all myself. It doesn't work. Never you, try to do it all yourself. It'll kill you. Yeah, and you'd be a micromanager, and you drive people won't want to work for you, and, and you know maybe they they still will if the pays uh, meets their needs, but. They they'll you know park their thinking at the door kind of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, not and you won't get the best from them, so you'll end up suffering. Uh, so that you know the stuff that we're talking about is you know I just uh, I wish that uh, every every person when they got uh, named a manager that they they had a you know they here they they had a access to your your tapes and. Could, because listen to this discussion because we get them to think about it differently. So I've had on, on the way, you know, I've had a chance now to work with a lot of new managers, and they'll say, well, what, well, what should I do? You know, how should I start? I go, well, here's here's what I recommend. <laughs> Initially, just take time to get to know people and to ask them, you know, what their what their frustrations are in their job, and just to listen, just do a listening tour and talk to everyone that that works for you. And find out uh, what their situation is and what they need to do a better job, and and then from that, pick a couple things that that you, you know, common themes that you heard, and then go to bat for them, and you know, and uh, even if you guys kind of spend resources to go to your manager, say, hey, you put me in this job, you know, you guys support me in what I say we need, and and we really we've been struggling with with this problem for a long time. We need a new a new piece of equipment, or we need. Uh, change the process or whatever it might be and um, go to bat for them and then, and then once you deliver on that you're going to make a big 
point to all of them that they're going to say, wow, this person can get stuff done, <laughs> you know, and they're going to be excited to work work for you and work with you because it'll be a whole whole different tone that they've complained for years about uh, that problem, and everyone says, ah, oh, this corporate won't let us do it or whatever it might be, you know, we don't spend the budgets right now, you know, and, and uh, find a way to, to break through, and then you're going to be seen as someone that can help help them and help the the department and, and make work, you know, easier. Uh, well, a lot of times just being able to do a good job is having the, the tools to do a good job. <laughs> if they're fighting having uh, stuff that's out of date or broken, uh, it, it just seems so obvious, well, this well, this fix that first, you know, but a lot of places don't, you know. I know, and by extension, the things that you're talking about, you know, now that you've got that ease of working because the tool has been replaced or a new process that actually works better has has begun, and all of a sudden people are more energized, they're having a bit more fun, they don't crawl out of bed, crawl into the car, crawl into the office and complain all day, you know, things are looking better emotionally for them, I would think. Absolutely. And they look, look, I, they look forward to coming to work and, and who they're working with and, and who they're serving. That's, uh, it's not a trick to get them there. It's, um, it's, it's uh, helping to show the way through your own behaviors and, and support that you provide. Okay, so you talk about, and thank you for that, that's brilliant. So you talk about things that you can do as an organization. You know, we're, we've been talking about bosses, you know, good bosses, bad bosses. All bosses can improve. They know that they need to, so we can, that's probably a whole other conversation. But what are some of the things you can do as an organization to say, you know, I'm sitting in this lofty, corner office and I'm looking at our bottom line and it kind of sucks. So where do I go? Who do I talk to? What do I do? What do we fix? Where should they start? Well, again, I, I think uh, it starts with with um, your people because no, no company can get the job done without people. And if, if they're, the people aren't turned on and they're not not interested or excited about the work that needs to be done, they'll continue to complain or or not give it their best effort or whatever you know bad performance looks like. So, um, starting with with the people and and what you know. So, I'll give you another example. I start. I took over. Uh, I was working for a company. I was given a new department. Uh, they started reporting to me, and I. <laughs> the manager of the department that I, I got it from, uh, their their advice was, I'd fire all these people and start over. These people are no no good. And I'm going, well, great. What did you do on your watch? You know, it's not. Uh, I'm not going to do that. And instead, I I took time to to talk to them all. And in fact, I also took time to to interview all of our customers. And uh, man, I I got a lot of feedback, and unfortunately, it was 100% negative. And so I got the oh, group together, and I said, <laughs> yeah, and I got the group together, and I said, uh, I want to share with you what I what I learned, and just and just rolled out all the feedback. And at the end of that, I said, uh, What do you want to do? You know, it's just, uh, you know, uh, do you want to try to turn this around, or, or you know, and and boy, it's kind of a you know come to Jesus meeting, and and uh, they turned out that uh, yeah, if we if if you support us, we would like to turn it around, and so then we focus on what would be what would be a key a key result that that we could start with. We can't change everything overnight, but what's one thing that's really significant that um, would put us on the right path? And we decided as a group that that was on time delivery. We, we were doing project work and whatnot, and, and uh, so okay, the next project we're doing, whatever it takes, we're going to do it on time, and and we did. <laughs> That's always and, important. Uh, and that and that felt good, uh, and and we as we you know told the you know organization looked that out that uh, you know it was kind of a joke. Ah, oh, they finally did one, you know, and and uh, that didn't deter us. We kept and then we did. Two on time, and then three on time, and and after a while, people stopped uh, laughing, and and they 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 uh, kind of took attention, and then 
and uh, customers took notice, and we we got more more work. And and I tell you, I, I managed that area for a year and a half, and we ended up doing it was like eighteen hundred and some projects on time, and it went from being a, wow. a joke to it, it went to becoming a a competitive advantage that represented twenty percent of the company's revenues. So it was, and that was a huge success. And and it was, you know, I gave a lot of credit to the people. You know, I, I remember one, uh, one, one person, uh, and because each, you got to motivate each person individually. You know, you can't one size doesn't fit all. So you got to find out what people's buttons are. And I remember one, one uh, woman worked for me, and she worked on a, a, a Macintosh and. And uh, I said, "Wow, you know, Jackie, if if you're able to make uh, this goal happen, I'm going to be pretty excited. What can I do to thank you?" And if I had a hundred guesses, I never would have guessed what she what she answered. Because and, that, and this is one of the things: don't assume. You know, as a manager, don't assume that you know what motivates other people. Just ask them. You know. And and she said, "Well, Bob, I I would love more visibility." I didn't know what she meant. What do you mean? She says, well, over here in the corner, I don't think people know who I am or what I do. I I would like for people to know, you know, who I am and, and the company and, and what I'm doing to help make things, you know, successful. And I go, Jackie, you make this happen. You're getting visibility. <laughs> now I could do, I might do something else too. I might give her, a, you know, a dozen roses in front of the staff meeting, or I might, you know, any number of things you could do uh, that that are fun and are, are great, great forms of recognition. But I, I held on to visibility, and so uh, one of the things I did is I went to the president of the company and I said, you know, I got to tell you, um, we've really done a, a great turnaround in our area, and and one of the key people to make it happen was Jackie. And look at this letter from that came in from a customer, and, and we're, uh, her project's under budget, and and and, uh, and you know it was great news. And and uh, I said, I, I, like you do me a favor and stop into Jackie's office and and thank her for me soon because timing's important on this stuff. And yeah, lunchtime. Yeah, sure. just give up your yeah. lunch. Go see her <clears throat> right now. No, not even that. It was, it, and she did stop in the next day or, or two, and and uh, now nice. yeah, this president's never been in Jackie's office before, and and she just said, "Gee, Bob's been uh, singing your praises," and he showed me the letter from the, the client, and and you know, I, and she said, "I don't think we could have done this without you, Jackie," and uh, you know, that was about it, and she left, and the whole interaction was ninety seconds. But what 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 reactions I'd have on Jackie now? She immediately calls her husband. Guess who was just in my office, you know? And and she was uh, on fire after that. You know, someone that that my predecessor said I should fire is now on fire, <laughs> not fired, but on fire <laughs> and excited, and and on cloud nine and just excited to come to work. And after a few weeks, she she came to talk to me. She said, Bob, I've never worked for someone that that could show me what it means to do a good job. You haven't seen anything yet. And, oh and she was gosh. right. She just got, she just got better and better. So, <laughs> so that's the potential every person has. If you, if you set know. it up and you, you find if the you button to press with them. Pay attention and be kind. But really what, what I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, what I'm hearing from all of this is the company culture can either really be the culprit or it can be the savior, but you have to change that that company culture. How far well, you're ab- absolutely right, absolutely right. Um, Peter Drucker used to say that culture eats strategy for breakfast. So you can have all the plans right. you want, but but if your culture isn't there, that that um, has people excited to be there and and feel as a valuable part of the the team, it it won't happen. Uh, I'm sorry. And I think. Oh, that's, don't worry about it. I'm surprised you can't hear my dog barking right now. She's There's something outside that's got her going, what? It's a squirrel, I think. Um, in fact, I know it's a squirrel. Anyway, I think a lot, a lot of people don't understand that companies, corporations, and, you know, I try not to watch the news. It's depressing. Most of the time it's garbage. I just don't watch it or listen to it. I do get my news, but I choose what I'm willing to, to believe. Yeah, you know, a lot of critical thinking goes into that. 
but so many people seem, and I could be dead wrong because, again, it's the news and it's garbage, but people seem to think that corporations and companies aren't humans. Yeah, and I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, and unfortunately, the higher you, you go in the job, you become an executive in a company, and you kind of lose sight of the people altogether, and they become a mm-hmm. line item in the budget. And you feel your job is to squeeze that line item. And how do you correct that? I mean, we've talked a bit about it, but is this where you come out of that big office and you start walking around with a coffee cup in your hand and saying, hi, I'm Bob. Well, how can I help you today? What's what's going on? What do you do? And it may be thousands of people, so you're going to have to obviously figure out, you know, who you're going to go see, but what do you do? Well, you you uh, you got to be careful in what you just said because if you just do it you now, go through the motions, then then people are going to be able to uh, read that and they will not respond. I, I remember one 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 uh, general manager of a plant. He would every once a month he'd walk to the plant to you know say hi to everybody and and uh, you know John you know. And be with the HR person because he didn't remember names. Uh, John, how you doing? How's the wife and kids? Well, sir, I'm still not married. <laughs> you know? Oh, every month, every month you, you say the same things, and you know he. So people saw through that, and and of course that that uh, didn't help. It actually hurt. It made it. So you can't be insincere. You gotta you gotta come you know from the heart, and. Uh, uh, it, uh, it the longest journey starts with the first step of of wanting to be better and, and being open to what could be done and and so um, executives I've I've seen that are good at that that they they realize that that people are the essence of the business and and so they they uh, make a priority of of honoring them. Well, I like that. Make a priority of honoring them. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. I just wrote that down. Honoring. Okay. And then, yeah, and I got then it. to <laughs> make a priority. Have it start have in, it their, start own in action, their own action, but then uh, empower other empower. people to do it. And and that might be, uh, you know, as companies get larger, they might have a, someone in charge of culture and someone in charge of leadership training. And, and so you, you start to do the things that give people the tools to to manage which is not assuming that people know how to manage uh, when they're when they're promoted or put in a job, but but uh, making it uh, reality that, that they have the support. So the managers are supported for doing the doing the right things with their people. And then and then you know you, you uh, have the values in place. You get you get the supporting policies um, in place. You you uh, the programs. Um, but ultimately, culture is what's done at the behavioral level, I, I believe. So you can have, you can't just manage through policies. <laughs> uh, it's got to be the behavior, and really it's got to be the behavior on the part of every leader of the organization. So that, uh, you know, that takes that, that, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. You lost your train of thought. I do that all the time. You know what this is reminding me? That All right. Yeah, sorry about that. When I was a kid, when I was in high school, they took the worst teacher in the school, and everybody knew he was the worst. He was just a a goofy guy. And they made him the vice principal. And I remember asking my mom, why did they promote him? And she said, because he has power. Where he is now, he because grew. why he has no power. They put him in a place where he had oh. zero power, and he couldn't impact the kids. He was really a dunce. Wow, there you go. So they they felt he couldn't do any harm because yeah. they, he's not going to be yeah. And he wasn't yeah, in the Nice guy. He just didn't have two working brain cells. Yeah, well that's. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, companies do uh, work around bad people for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And, 
you know, and unfortunately education has, uh, has uh, you know, tenure and, and, and unions yeah. and, and whatnot. A lot of times they protect people no matter what, even if they're not performing. And um, Jack, Jack Welsh uh, from GE, he used to have a rule of thumb that uh, I'd say uh, when it comes to people, you, you hire slowly. You make sure you've got the right person, and you have, you know, multiple interviews, and and you really find out about them, and and then when you find out someone doesn't work, is not is not working in their role, then you fire quickly, you as soon mm-hmm. as possible, you know, try to get out of that role, and uh, that's you know, there's a lot a lot of truth to that uh, that. That and, and you know human nature, and I, I've found I've done this too. That you want to give someone a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, and, and at some point, how, how long does it take you to learn they're they're the wrong person for the job, or for whatever reason they're not doing the job you want? Either either they're they're not capable or they're not motivated. And at this point, you know it, it can be very hard to turn it around if you're well well into it. So. Uh, it's better to just uh, let them go and say, hey, it's not working out. Uh, now, you right. can do that in a gracious a gracious way, and you can, you know, support them and, uh, and find another job, and uh, I've, I've done that, uh, too. But uh, it, the situation as is can't continue, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's that's the best for all all involved because otherwise that that person will will tend to poison the whole the whole team you know and and they'll they'll get cynical because they see what's going on and they're doing that person's work or they're working around them and they're you know I don't know why does the boss protect this person they, you know uh, so you lose respect <laughs> um, by by not doing the right thing so so you know to be a good manager you got you know again start with the heart and, and wanted to, to do the right thing. But when the right thing's not working, you gotta, you gotta make a change. Um, and, uh, that, that can, that's a hard part of, of managing, but it's also an important part to hold people accountable. And, and, uh, unfortunately, you know, my managers don't learn that either. You know, so. No, they don't. And isn't this where HR should be at the table because these days it's you get sued if your dog you know messes on somebody's mailbox it's crazy <laughs> well hr uh that, that is you know it's i like to you know <clears throat> hr is not the end all and, and a lot of countries have a bad reputation because they're a person that that lays people off or does the firing for the manager and and uh so it it it's actually the the people how you know it needs to be again in the culture this is that we're all doing this it's not just it doesn't it shouldn't just fall on h r to to do the the dirty work of the organization and and no one wants to to see them kind of thing it should be uh every manager every line manager's role in how they deal with their people and i I remember I worked for a a big bank and <clears throat> I remember a manager would I remember manager coming to talk to me once and saying, you know, and I worked in HR and they said, my people aren't motivated. Can you come over and, and uh, help them get motivated? And I said, well, you know, actually, you know, they, don't, they don't know and don't care who I am because they, you've got to do that because you're the one they're working for. So let's talk about what you need to do. I, I can't do your job for you. Uh, they won't, it won't be credible and they won't, they'll laugh me off, you know, but, but we can talk about a strategy on your part where you can start to change things. Uh, so it's gotta, it's gotta happen from the leaders of the organization. And so the culture has got to be run through and through to everyone and, and be led by the leaders and, and the things and the actions they do on a daily basis. And see, so you actually covered something that I was about to ask, which was the role of HR. I'm with you. I don't think it should be, hey, you know, grab your stuff. You're being escorted out of the building. It seems to me that what you did is the right thing. And I don't work in big companies. I mean, I work for corporations and I work because, you know, the work that I do means that I engage with a lot of these people, but I don't work in their buildings or for them as a, an employee. But 
it seems to me that HR, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know several really great HR people, that they kind of have their finger on the pulse of who's the troublemakers, who's, where are the complaints coming from? Shouldn't you, as a, a manager, be talking to HR and saying, "What are you hearing? What's what's the you know what's the scuttlebutt?" Yeah, if, yeah. if your if your HR is out there among the people and, and listening or doing pulse surveys or or focus groups, even uh, yes, that's I, I think they they should be the pulse of the organization and and they should be as a support. As a support group, they they should be helping uh, leadership any way they can. Again, they they can't do it for leaders, but they can be there to help them um, do do things right and, and to look good in the process. So I agree completely. And I, I spent a lot of my career in in HR, and um, it's <clears throat> most HR people I know want want to do a good job and and want the uh trust and respect of of uh leadership and and sometimes they're put in a bad position to where where they're like like i said you know, they're the ones that have to tell people who's laid off and and uh, not a very joyous thing and i i think uh you know companies leaders have more respect when they when they do their own bidding and explain to people why we we're having a cutback, or, or for whatever, what the truth of the matter is, and not just delegate, you know, the the bad things for someone else to do for them. <clears throat> They'll have more more credibility if they own up to it and explain the rationale, and and um, and and ideally, you know, wish and the best for for people wherever they their journey is. I, I had my wife work for. Uh, Division of Hewlett Packard, and they uh, they uh, were in San Diego, and they they were closing the, the division and, and moving it to uh, to Denver, and uh, the VP got in, up in front of the all the group and said, "I'm not going to be happy until everyone lands on their feet," and people said, "Yeah, right," and, yeah, but darn it, he didn't hold true to that. It was I was very very impressed that. Down to a person that he would, and she, and she was, uh, uh, you know, we we didn't move to Denver, you know, but uh, she was okay with that because she was going to take some time off work, and we had young kids, and uh, but they they had a they had recruiters calling her, and she got job offers, and she got an offer to move to Denver as well, and so you know, just uh, they went way way beyond to uh, in her case. Uh, to make sure she had lots of options, um, and um, and then they gave people, you know, if you moved, they gave you a bonus and uh, for that, and as well as covering your your cost of your move. So it was it was very, uh, uh, and then they they still had they still had uh, people, you know, maybe some people that, you know, employees being as they as they are, that some people that would take advantage and and uh, but they they the person was true to his word. He personally um, made, to the best of his ability, made sure everyone uh, had the option to to move, or they helped to find them other other employment options. Uh, so I, I was very impressed. Understood. Um, and I would not be doing my job if we didn't talk about the pandemic and how people are now working more from home. And I'm looking at your chapter six. It says work has changed more than the recent movement to work from home, which I've always done, by the way. Driven by the worldwide coronavirus pandemic, and most every worker who could work from home was granted permission to do so, and employees and companies did the best they could to adjust to the new circumstances. What you go further? About forty-two percent of employees made the right. shift to working at home and right. remotely. And now a lot of them don't want to go back. They're like, mm, I think Apple's having a big problem with getting, you know, a lot panties in the seats. They're like, no, we're doing just fine they right just, here. We're going to keep and on they, working they, remotely. They just asked. They wanted people to come back three days a week, and they said no. Nope. You know, but they, <laughs> but but the thing uh, on on that in that instance, you know, the thing that really riled people is that when they announced that. It was like 
you know, they said, we know you're all anxious to come back to work. And it was like, who no, told you not. that? <laughs> we're not. But we're they, working but, fine. We're so here. We're, so we're, started, we're producing. They were, yeah, and they were kind of tone deaf to say, well, if that's what you think, then you're already out of touch, you know. And, and people, you know, were, were very upset uh, because they weren't asking them what they what they wanted and they, they were just assuming and it felt very selfish. You know, well, we're, we're spending all this money on this building, so we've got to have people in it, you know. And that's Sell the building. Thing, but, but, yeah. I, I yeah, actually, the, the building. I'm not moving back to New York or San Francisco or wherever I yeah. had to pay $8,000 a month to live. I'm not doing it. I'm over here <laughs> in, a, you know, a less expensive area. I'm happy and I produce better. I've heard a lot of that. Yes, well, it's true, and and uh, by by generation, fifty five percent of millennials uh, do not want to go back into the central work office, and you know, for many of them, maybe this is a this is the first job they had, uh, but uh, and then it's it's actually forty five percent of Gen X say they don't want to go back, and thirty six percent of Baby boomers say they don't want to go back, uh, and you know for logical reasons, and and that you know the commute, <laughs> the wasted time of the commute, the the, the dry the, cleaning bill you know, that used to drive me crazy. It's like what? I would spend more time <laughs> and money getting my clothes clean when I couldn't just throw them in the wash. That bugged me. I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> and and on and on, you know, the repair for the car and and whatnot. Right. And, and and there's there's overwhelming studies that that people are more uh, productive working at home. They had fewer interruptions. There wasn't the whole socialization stuff that they were they could, they could dig in deeper on a project. Yeah. Right. And now the now the flip side of that is that some of the companies like. Um, J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs said, "Well, no, that you get the culture. You get the culture in the in the office. You know, you got to be part of the team and stuff." And that turns out to be a myth. I, I just was part of of some um, uh, research that that is coming out where we we looked at uh, you know culture and, and company pride and then personal pride in one's work, uh, and we did a study and we found that that the pride people had in their work uh, was identical, whether they worked in the office or they worked remotely. You know, you kind of, you carry it with you, your, the work that you do. And if you have, if you have pride in it, it doesn't matter where you're sitting. But what was interesting is that we found that the pride that people had in their company actually was higher for those people that were allowed to work remotely my company cares enough about me not to waste my time and to mm-hmm. trust me to be able to do a good job. And, and so they, they felt they felt more strongly about the company <laughs> when they're allowed to work at, at home. So uh, the whole the whole notion of, well, you've got to be, you know, we're, we're a team, we've got to be with the team to have company pride is, is bogus. <laughs> and, mm. uh, so and what you just it, said about the, trust, that's critical. If they trust yeah. you, as I do with my team, if I trust them to do what I know needs to be done, and I rarely have to call somebody and say, what's going on? And I yeah. actually just had to let one guy go who had been with me for about nine years, but he slipped badly, and there wasn't anything we could do to fix it. He was just on a downhill run, and I told him, listen, when you get sorted out, call me, but for right now, I've got to let you go. And he yeah. understood. Yeah, he was got... actually surprised I kept him as long as I did. Yeah, that's, uh, things happen in people's lives or uh, that uh, they, their outlook changes and their focus changes, and you can't, you can't control all of that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it sounds like, again, that sounds like a very graceful exit that uh, we're uh, where it wasn't uh, ill-intended or it wasn't, you're no good, you know, it was, it was honest. No, he was having trouble. Done and, yeah. Yeah. He had a lot of problems going on, and he had to Life to happens. Work yep, that's exactly right. So, we've, well, we've got about five more minutes. So, let's let's keep on talking about working from home, because I've done it for 20 years. I'm a highly committed introvert, and I don't like... To, well, I can't work 
in somebody else's office. I run with scissors. I don't play well with others. And if you want coffee, you can get it your own damn self. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but, but so many to of us who self, have... To own self be true, right? That's exactly right. And I'm happy you, you gotta, all by myself. And that's, you know, again, that's everyone can take note of that because you got to know who you are before you know, you know, uh, how, how you're going to fit in in the world. Right. You know? and, and right. and some people um, I'm like you I'm I most of my career I've I've been on my own or had my own company I've worked for several corporations I worked for uh, one company for over ten years but uh, and and I enjoyed I enjoyed that and I learned from it but ultimately um, I've got too many of my own ideas <laughs> that I knew working for someone else eventually I'd be fired because I've got too much of my own uh, ego and things I want to achieve that. I don't want to be following someone else's agenda. So um, but that's a big part of life. You know, uh, uh, Mark Twain used to say that the two most important days <laughs> that we all have, each of us have in our lives is the day we were born, uh, number one, and number two, the day we find out why. And once you find out what you're, what you're about and what your mission in life is and what you want to do with your life, then, then um, follow that path. And, and it, it doesn't matter what other people around you are doing. You gotta, you gotta make it work for you. And and uh, it can be, you know, that could be scary. I know a lot of people are, are um, don't, you know, they feel they have to have a paycheck. Uh, I can't. Uh, last paycheck I had was probably 25 years ago. And and that's you and me both. At least 20 years ago. Yeah, at least so probably more. For someone to say, well, how do you? I know you don't know your next. You know, I go. I've got I've got unlimited paychecks because now I don't have someone telling me this is all you can make. I can I'm, I'm confined only by my own creativity and my own energy. And so, I, I you know I, I seem scary to say. Well, every day I get up, I've I've got to I've got to earn my living. But that's a that's a joy. I, I get to earn my living. And, and no one else is telling me what to do. And and there's uh, it's it's amazing um, the number of times I've I've made cold calls to people that that turned into uh, uh, you know a very lucrative uh, relationship from from scratch. It's just me calling, introducing myself, and, and saying. Um, you know, asking them about themselves and and striking a, a a need that they have that I could fill, and so that's not every call for for sure, but uh, it happens enough where I'm I'm making uh, many times more than I ever made just working for someone else. Same and that's with been my podcast. Over 25, yeah. years. 25 years. Same here. I started this podcast 13 years ago because. I am a highly committed introvert, and I love to talk with people from all over the world. I get to meet people like you. I'm not going to meet you in my local Walmart. Not going to happen. Or as we say in the Deep South, that ain't happening, hon. But I get to meet fantastic people, and I consider all of you my guests, my mentors, because I learn from you, and my audience learns from you. And some of my best working relationships have come from me just chatting on the radio with people like you. How, I mean, that's fantastic. Didn't yes, plan it, it that is. way, but that's how it works. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, you know, going back to uh, the topic of fun, it's any organization, for example, can, can create from scratch a fun committee. You know, I had, oh. the, I had one, one of the examples <laughs> in the book, the president, the president of uh, Belmont College in Nashville, Tennessee, he went on a sabbatical just to uh, visit and explore high-performing companies. And when he came back, one of the top, first things he said was that all those places were fun places to work. We need to have more fun here <laughs> to be to be a high-performing uh, college. And and he so he did. He created a fun committee, and people volunteered to be on it. And he he had. Uh, very little structure. He said, "Come back with ideas, brainstorm, and prioritize, and tell me uh, what what uh, we need to do to have more fun. And maybe if they need some budget, he gave it to them. But they were off and running, 
and and uh, that's a, a simple action. I was working with a, a company in Seattle, uh, a law firm, for, of all things, uh, Perkins Coy, and they they heard me speak, and they started a happiness committee. <laughs> it had five oh, people on it. Nobody nobody knew who who they were. It was anonymous, you know. But any one of those five people could say it's time to do something. And I said, well, what, what would you do? And they they would uh, downtown Seattle. They'd hold a picnic on top of the roof, for example, or they they bartered meeting space that they had some meeting rooms with a company on the next block over that was a limo company. They didn't have any meeting space, but they they'd give them some free limo rides to be able to use their meeting space. And they were just very creative, and and they end up doing uh, uh, just a lot of fun stuff. And and uh, Fast forward, I think it was about uh, 18 months later, started with that uh, hearing me speak and saying, you know, this is real. We got to do this. And they uh, entered the best place to work in, in America, number 23, Perkins Coy, for a law firm. If a law firm could do this, anybody could do it. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. You don't typically think of, when you when I think of law firms or, or places like that, I think of dour faces and somebody jiggling their keys in their pockets while they look at you over your shoulder to make sure yeah. that you're not checking their time in their page. Yeah. 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 Well, I, my last job in. was something like that and it lasted <laughs> precisely one year. One year. As yeah. soon as I well, got my, my computer science degree, I bailed. I gave them two weeks notice and I skipped down the stairs and I skipped across the parking lot and I think I sang when I was getting in my car. That was my last job job. Well, I, I had a similar experience with, uh, again, I was working, I worked in several, I was for a computer company that was good and I, I worked for a, a bank and it was a, it was a well-known bank and it, it was a, a good bank, but it was not a fit for me. And I came home every Monday was so again you got to know yourself right every Monday I came home with a splitting migraine headache and it's like what does what does life have to do to tell me I'm not I'm a, I'm a square in a, in a round hole you know this, I don't fit this culture you know and uh, I, I about a year it took and I, I eventually quit I remember I kissed the receptionist on the way out which probably would cost me a lawsuit today but uh, it just felt I she like I was <laughs> well, I didn't say she probably would think take me with you don't leave me here yeah yeah but uh, you know a uh, different time but right. uh, it, was a, it was a liberating feeling you know and to find to find your 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 path or, or to convert a, a hobby to uh, to uh, you know because most people have hobbies of one type or another and and if they could they would do that for a living but they yeah how do you how do you make a living out of whatever it is you know and and if you if you uh, can find that way uh, now you're doing what you really love and you're being paid for it you know? exactly. so it's uh, <laughs> It's uh, at first blush. It seems like, well, I can't. You know, I like fishing. How's that ever going to be? Well, you know, maybe, maybe you can host a tournament. Maybe you can. You know, all, of a, all of a sudden, you know, brainstorm, and uh, you might be surprised. And, and you've got some other friends that want to do the same thing. Maybe they'll they'll go in with you. You know, and and uh, that's a lot of companies start that way <laughs> in the garage, proverbial garage. You know? Yes. We all know those stories. And listen, there's there's somebody online I came across, gosh, years ago, and she was creating knitting patterns. She's really big in Etsy and everywhere else. People love her. She just creates these things, and people buy them. They talk about them. They're on Instagram. She's been doing it for a while, and they have a ball with it. It was a hobby. There you go. She made ton of money doing this and she makes a lot of people happy bob thank you i mean we are we're four minutes over we're still recording but we're not streaming so anybody who was listening they can get the end of this when they go download it later but thank you so much for being here with me and where can people find you before i let you go thank you denise uh i'm i've got a website www.drbobnelson.com N-E-L-S-O-N, and all my 
or not all of them, but uh, a lot of my books are are on there on the online store. Sell them cheaper than Amazon, <laughs> and then other services as well. So I I do speaking and consulting and whatnot. But I I love helping people with this type of topic. So uh, helping them help their people be their best and the company benefit as well. Well, listen, it's been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you for all of the really terrific tips and advice and the case studies and examples that you have shared with our audience. So before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes, Amazon Prime, Audible. Honestly, you cannot look for your partner in Success Radio on the Internet. I'm there. You can't throw a stick at me and not hit me. We're there. So just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Go ahead, Bob. And if you want, if you want uh, more examples on how you can have more fun in your work, in, in your work group, and in your company, pick up a copy of Work Made Fun Gets Done, which is available wherever books are sold or, as I said, my website or any bookstore or Amazon and we've got over 400 real life get your voice heard if you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast contact denise griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab 